0: Today on Season 3, Episode 83 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, it's officially NFC Championship Week. You asked for it, you got it. The epic finale of the Battle of the bases is upon us. Rice and I bring it in the first half with X-Factors, matchups, and some interesting playoff numbers. The second half brings the return of David Harrison to the UPP studio. David breaks down the second clash of the Titans and gives us his take on how these teams are different than in Week 6. We get some keys to the game, coaching breakdown, as well as what the Bucks have to do differently this time to be successful. All gas, no brakes, let's go. And now it's time for Facing the Bucks. David Harrison again, on tap.
1: This is Green Bay. Bay, Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. (laughs)
0: isn't everything but
2: it's the only thing Green and yellow green and yellow
0: green
1: and yellow Green and yellow yeah, yeah. Packers podcast Green and yellow green
2: and yellow green and yellow green Let and me yellow. tell you this Green Bay is a great town
1: This is green Bay.
0: green
1: Bay Green Bay And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast for facing the Bucks David Harrison again On Tap we had David Harrison in the virtual studio back in week 6 when the Packers fell 38-10 to 10 to the Buccaneers. Hopefully it's a different story, but the championship game is set. The Green Bay Packers face off against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a trip to Super Bowl 55 at stake. The Title game will kick off at 2.05 p.m. Central Standard Time, Sunday, January 24th at Lambeau Field. The current long-range Ooh, forecast baby. for Green Bay is a high of 25 degrees With a chance of snow, the Buccaneers advanced by virtue of their 30-20 win over the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round this past Sunday. And the Packers, as you know, entered the NFC playoffs with the number one seed home field advantage and beat up the Los Angeles Rams this past Saturday. 30-18 Buccaneers and the Packers have met once previously in the postseason back in the 97 NFC divisional round at Lambeau Field. The Packers won that game On their way to Super Bowl 32, this is the first time in 13 years the Green Bay Packers will host the NFC Championship. Green Bay has reached this stage for the fourth time in the last seven years, but has not reached a Super Bowl in a decade. And the Buccaneers have not advanced this far in the postseason since winning the Super Bowl 18 years ago, but I am not peacocking it. I am with my other brother from another mother, the magician behind the scenes, the soothing, sexy sounds of Neebles, our co-founder and producer and our co-host.
0: How are you doing, Neebles Championship game, baby. What is happening, Bryce? I am pumped. And obviously, so are you. How are you doing, my man? Oh, dude, I am fired up. This is, a uh, I'm looking
1: forward to it because I broke down the Los Angeles Rams... In our, um, and then there were four on tap. We also had guest Jason Perrone of Quick Slants Game on Wisconsin Pack a Day podcast in the second half. So I felt a little bit more subdued. I am fired up. I am looking forward to this game. I'm looking forward to talking to you in the first half. In the second half, we're going to welcome David Harrison of Locked On Bucks. He's going to talk about the Green Bay Packers as well as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He brings it uh, a full 360. Sort of holistic approach of both teams. I was really impressed with uh, what he had to say, and I hope that you're all eager to get a little bit more perspective of the Packers as well as the Buccaneers. But you had some uh, sexy stats that you wanted to share, and I'm I'm eager to find out.
0: Yeah, I just have some interesting, uh, fun playoff game uh, tidbits here. First of all, a little fun fact here. It's kind of it's kind of funny. This conference championship is it is a rematch of both games that took place in week six this season mm. so the Chiefs beat the bills back in week six and they will rematch on the AFC side of things and obviously we know the Bucks beat the Packers week six this uh this season and they will also rematch in the uh, NFC championship so I thought that was kind of neat that both teams had previously played and get that rematch this weekend for sure some other numbers here for you both teams that have played traditionally on the Saturday you know the Saturday of the divisional round they have gone 16 and six in the following conference championship championship, and at least one of those teams that had played on Saturday has won 14 out of the last 15 years, so that bodes well a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, six out of the last seven home teams have won, again. You can tick that box for the Packers. <laughs> there have only been eight teams that have made the playoffs when the Super Bowl has been held at their home stadium. Not one has ever advanced to it, so Tampa Bay, go away. Uh, <laughs> a fi- a five-seed has never beaten a one-seed, okay? Okay. And then the last thing is, uh, is another kind of fun factor here is Lambo Field groundskeeper Alan Johnson likes to keep his field at a steady 38 degrees in the winter making it warm enough to keep it soft but still allows the grass to harden and get tougher so while it, you know Lambo is called the frozen tundra the tundra itself is quite literally not frozen so that's something kind of kind of fun to to put out there for you very cool fascinating stats i it gets me even more juiced up
1: for this game and we've got We've got two aspects that we're going to talk about in the first half, one of them being is X factor, and the second is our, our matchup that we're looking forward to. Who, who's an X factor for you this Sunday with Buccaneers and the Green Bay Packers squaring off?
0: You know, when I was thinking about this game, I wasn't really looking at it on a, on a player by player basis as far as X factors is, is concerned. I was kind of looking at more holistically, if you will. And I think the X factor in this game is going to be the limiting the turnovers. Mm-hmm. You know, winning that turnover battle. Obviously, we saw in the game last week. Tampa thrived on those turnovers, the the four turnovers that the Saints have had. The first matchup in week six, again, Tampa Bay thrived off those turnovers that the, the Packers had and completely turned the game around. So I do think that you know limiting those turnovers, which the Packers have done, I believe they were first in the league with only eleven giveaways this season. So we know they can't handle, you know, hang on to the ball. I think limiting those turnovers is going to be the key. The Bucks actually went one and four this season in games where they turned the ball over two or more times. So not only do we have to keep the ball secure on our end, we need to make sure that we get in there and get those, you know, get, cause fumbles, get those picks. You know our our cornerbacks need to hang on to some of those balls, and just it's just kind of pull a Tampa Bay on Tampa Bay. They thrive off of that short field that their defense is giving them. They thrive off those turnovers, and I think if we can win that battle, we win the game. I'm with you on that, and I think that's how Tampa Bay was able to advance
1: to the NFC Championship game. The Saints, I mean, this was this was a neck and neck game, Saints and Buccaneers, but the Saints coughed it up four times. So you're never gonna. That's not a formula in order to win. And you hit it right on the the dot. Eleven turnovers for the Green Bay Packers in uh, in 16 games. No team in the NFL has protected the ball as well as Green Bay, and they're at home, which they tend to play better at home as of late compared to in the earlier in the season. So that's something that we've been trending in the in a better direction. My X factor, and this is probably a no-brainer. Uh, a lot of you probably rolling your eyes and going, "Oh, way to get creative, Bryce," but it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Oh yeah! Uh, this is an NFC championship game at Lambeau Field. This is the first time for Aaron Rodgers as a starter. He was there in 2007 when Brett Favre and the Green Bay Packers squared off against the New York Jets, ultimately losing. The Giants went on to, to win the Super Bowl that year. But this is the first time that Aaron Rodgers has really gotten the opportunity ever to have an NFC championship game at Lambeau Field. The thing that really impressed me last week with Aaron Rodgers was the play-action. Rodgers has been the league's best play-action passer, and that has to be a concern for the Buccaneers because the defense ranks 19th against play-action. If Rodgers and Lafleur, if everything is predicated off of the play-action, what they did last week, the Buccaneers, regardless of how stout their defense is, is going to have a hard time diagnosing what plays are going to be run for because sure. every all that pre-snap motion, Aaron Rodgers can see and read the defense. If the play action is going well, they can run the ball, and that opens up in the third and fourth quarter like they did with Alan Lazard to seal the game. Also, Rodgers will carry a couple of impressive streaks into next Sunday or into this Sunday's NFC Championship game against Tampa Bay. He has thrown a touchdown pass in 15 consecutive playoff games, a streak that started in the Super Bowl a decade ago. That's the fourth longest streak in league history. Former Packers, Brett Favre, holds the record with 20 consecutive playoff games. Moreover, Rodgers has thrown multiple touchdown passes in eight consecutive playoff games, matching Joe Flacco's NFL record, which is kind of weird. I didn't know that Flacco had that record. (laughs) In four consecutive January home playoff wins, he's thrown 11 touchdowns and zero interceptions his 108.3 rating was the lowest of those games. So just think about that. Lowest in QBR rating, and they still won. So I still believe that we're just kind of scratching the surface when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. Also, in the last five seasons of December and January home games, he's thrown an absurd 30 touchdowns versus one interception. Good for 110.1 rating. Rodgers comes in, if he's honed in, If he's executing, he is that X factor. I also believe that that ties into your X factor as well. Rodgers threw a pick six and another interception in the week six Tampa Bay loss, which was an anomaly, and I believe that's going to put a chip on his shoulder. He wants to sort of rectify those demons, exercise those demons, and get a little bit of a redemption. But he is my X factor for this game. I think that if he has a great game, there's no stopping the Green Bay Packers.
0: And I really don't have anything I can add to that. That was very well said. But it's just—he seems like he's in a completely different state of mind this time yeah. around. Mm-hmm. He's progressed through the season. He's a different quarterback. I mean, he was playing well to start out with, but he is a completely different quarterback than he was back in you know, back in week six. And like you said, I think he's got that chip on his shoulder, and that's going to play to our favor. He's been playing lights out ball and. It's, it's He's going to have to to stop himself, essentially. And you get some
1: fans, too. So oh, you, yeah. get, you get a little bit more fans for this NFC Championship game compared to uh, the 8,000 or so in the divisional round. You knew that that played into the overall performance of the Green Bay Packers. Like you said, he's in a great headspace, and he's been really vocal about that evidence of the Pat McAfee show for Aaron Rodgers Tuesday he talked about you know the art of gratitude and being happier and the headspace a happy Aaron Rodgers is a deadly Aaron Rodgers and I just I I would love you know the whole storyline of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers which we talked about in the second half we had a it was a little bit more of an appropriate debate, not one of these glorified sure. clickbait storylines we talked about the significance of this game. This is Brady, Rodgers, two Hall of Fame quarterbacks, two of the greatest to ever throw the football and now you get to see it in a championship caliber game, a primetime game and a birth to Super Bowl 55. The stars have aligned. You couldn't have uh, rewrote a better script than what we're going to see. And speaking of What is the matchup that you're looking for, Neebles?
0: I am looking for, again, I'm going a little bit more holistic versus a single player, but I am going with the Packers running game versus the uh, the Buccaneers' front seven. Nice. We could not get that ground game going in the first matchup. I think Jones ended up with, what, 15 yards. I think Jamal ended up with 30, 35 yards thanks to a, a decent carry. And Dylan, I don't think he was even playing at that point. So you know, hopefully Dylan is able to come in and play this weekend. So we have that three-headed monster. You don't know which way we're going to attack you, but they absolutely have to get this ground game going to control the clock. Control the the field and win this one. I mean, the the Buccaneers have what the number one rush defense right now. That's correct. Yeah. All right. And we you know and we took care of the number one pass defense last week in the Rams. So I, I think the Packers can do it. But that focus has to be you know getting that run game going. I think again that's gonna, gonna predicate that's gonna drive what they're able to do on offense. I, I am confident in Rodgers and the passing game. I do think that we will be able to to move that ball, you know, move the ball that way. But it's just not going to be as effective if if we're suddenly that one-dimensional. So my matchup again is going to be our running backs versus their front seven. I love it. And in the divisional round, the Packers
1: piled up 188 rushing yards off the three running backs for 36 carries. The Bucks defense shares some structural similarities to Los Angeles. Both are odd front defenses, which means they use a lot of too high shells against the Rams. The Packers ran the ball out of shotgun 20 times for 132 yards a 6.6 yard per, per carry and you're going to see LaFleur he called a heavy dose of package plays which allows Rodgers the choice of passing or handing it off based on his pre-snap reads so it'll be interesting to see those hard counts if they can't get anything off the run game that's going to obviously limit Aaron Rodgers limit coach LaFleur and their b- ability to dial it up so if they can get that run game going i mean they they proved They can do it against a stout number one defense. Now they have to do it against the Buccaneers. We'll see what happens with Vita Vea. That hasn't been announced whether or not uh, he will play this Sunday, which will then allow them to become even a little bit more tougher uh, on the defensive line. But the way the offensive line played against the Rams, I'm expecting the same sort of approach with this offensive line. And I think that they've got the confidence that they can go toe-to-toe with anyone. I love that matchup. And speaking of my matchup, Again, you might be rolling your eyes, but I'm going with uh, an Aaron Rodgers-themed matchup. And for me, it's Aaron Rodgers versus the Tampa Bay Blitz. In week Mm -hmm, six, Aaron Rodgers was 6 of 17 for 63 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, three sacks, and a 7.4. That's not a typo. 7.4 QBR rating. Yikes. He has not been sacked against the Blitz since. So talk about adjustments. Talk about correcting, righting your wrongs. But a big factor was the Bucks' ability to pressure Rodgers. He was pressured on a season-high 30.8% of his pass plays. And blitzing is definitely part of defensive coordinator Todd Bowles' DNA. And he wasn't afraid to be aggressive against Rodgers. In those first three quarters, before the outcome was actually really decided... Bulls blitzed Rodgers 50% of the time. And obviously it was by far Rodgers' worst performance against the Blitz all season in terms of EPA per play. He completed 5 of 16 attempts for 48 yards in those and 2 interceptions while also taking 2
0: sacks. Jeez.
1: So Rodgers repeatedly brought up how lackadaisical the Packers were in and out of huddle. Though it might not seem like a big thing, I think it's important for the offense to have time to make its reads and protection adjustment at the line of scrimmage. So, again, when we're looking at the blitz, we're looking at Rodgers. Can the offensive line pick it up? Another thing to keep an eye on is how quickly they're getting out of the huddle. If they're getting out there quickly, Rodgers has enough time to read the defense possibly and then make those decisions on whether handing it off or passing. But I believe that if the Packers are able to neutralize the blitz, if Aaron Rodgers is able to be a little bit more efficient, I know what's like two and a half seconds is when he or a little bit less – when he releases the football, which is a lot better than what he was last year, I think that if they're able to neutralize the blitz, I just see Aaron Rodgers carving them up with all the multitude of,
0: of playmakers that they have. So that is the matchup for me.
1: What are your thoughts on that?
0: Yeah, I like it. I mean, that that's a fantastic angle to take, and you know, to add to that a little bit. I know we've kind of beaten this, we've beaten this angle to death, but I feel like in Week Six, Rodgers really didn't know how to use all his toys yet. They had no off-season work together, no preseason work together. They had four weeks to play, and then that bye week, and they like you said they came out sluggish after the bye. You know, things were looking they were looking good with the offense. The offense was kind of was 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 getting in a groove then, but they were nowhere near what they are now. Right. I feel like the offense is finally firing in all all cylinders right now. And it's been what, 14 weeks since they've played last time? Like literally 14 weeks or so. This offense has had time to to, to gel. They've gotten that, that working together. They know each other. They're clicking. I, it's just a completely different team. I, I said it the other day that I believe that this team, the 2020 Packers team, would smoke the 2019 Packers team. I think we're a, a better team, a more complete team. And like I mentioned, now that uh, Rodgers knows how to use all of his guys on the field, people are realizing yet yeah, we do have those weapons we do have those playmakers and that's that's going to be the the biggest difference between the week 6 matchup and the matchup this Sunday
1: I love it and it's hard to beat a team twice and we've right, got right. we've got film on the buccaneers in week 6 uh there're going to be a lot of matchups that we're going to be focusing on and we'll talk a little bit more in the second half with David Harrison's point of view when it comes to matchups but I mean this was a team that put up 10 points right off the bat in week yep. 6 they were coming off a bye, which they've struggled. They were 4-0 coming off the bye, and then they were humbled. A lot of people were concerned, myself included, about the the first-round bye. But right. they were able to uh, extinguish any sort of concerns regarding that with that 32-18 win. Probably could have even had more points. I mean, definitely oh, yeah. up to 34 with the botched extra point. They had to go for two. The MBS 90 yard touchdown possibly and also the the drop by alan lazard before his fourth quarter dagger so they left a lot of points off the board as well it's really really hard to beat a team twice obviously we're going to be it's going to be brady and rogers brady in his 14th nfc championship game he's been there done that but most of this team has not for the buccaneers whereas the green bay packers have this is another go around i know last year uh, zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Adrian Amos, they talked about how uh, it was their first time. They, didn't, they, they sort of felt overwhelmed in the moment. They felt jittery. Now you look at all their post-game press conferences, they're confident. Like you said, they are humming, and they don't have to travel anywhere. They yep. get to play at Lambeau. It's going to be cold, 25 degrees, and snowing. Are those other warm-weather players able to step up? I guess we shall see, but... As we wrap up the first half of facing the Buccaneers, David Harrison, again, on tap. What are your final thoughts as we... Bit ado for the first half, and welcome David Harrison in the second half.
0: I think the last thing I have to mention is we know Aaron Rodgers is a competitor, and I, I know that uh, Matt Lafleur is a competitor. I think that you know he said you know everybody's saying burn the tapes of of the first matchup, but I, I think this is that was one game that um, that Lafleur wants back very badly. I agree. You know, he just he's just one of those things that that he he's spent extra time I feel like he spent extra time throughout the season game planning preparing in case they face Tampa Bay again in, in the playoffs. It, it may sound silly but I think it's just one of the things one of those things where he just doesn't let it go and he wants to make sure that they are fully prepared this time around and I think they will be. He like I said he's a smart guy, he's a competitor and he doesn't like being embarrassed as he was, and I think they'll be ready this time around. I agree.
1: I just can't for me, I cannot see them uh, losing back-to-back NFC Championship games. It's such a better team than they were in 2019. They're more equipped. The stars will not be too bright for Coach Lafleur in his first go-around last year. He knows what he needs to bring to the table, and on top of it, I mentioned the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday with Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show. Aaron Rodgers just is cool, calm, and collected. You'd have no idea that he was about to square off against Tom Brady in the NFC Championship game. So a loose Aaron Rodgers is a dangerous Aaron Rodgers. That's why he's an X-Factor for me. That's why it's the matchup that I'm focusing on. I cannot wait, Nebels, Buccaneers, Packers, NFC Championship game. I look forward to another in-season episode this next week. I'm not even going to say the words, but I'm feeling good, my friend. As we wrap up the first half of Facing the Buccaneers, David Harrison on tap. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back after this. Go Pack Go.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound refined.
1: And we are back with the second half of Facing the Buccaneers, David Harrison, again, on tap. And we welcome David Harrison of Locked on Bucks. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on again. Looking forward to the game. Looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, we had you back in week six. We did uh, Facing the Buccaneers, David Harrison, on tap our orientation, if you will, and uh, you laid the smackdown. down. So I'm looking forward to a rematch in the NFC Championship game. But for all those that have not yet, if you want to uh, know a little bit more about David's background, check out our week six preview episode, Facing the Buccaneers, David Harrison on tap. This is Facing the Buccaneers, David Harrison again on tap or 2.0, if you will. And we're going to get right down to it. Uh, I talked about it in the first half, I broke down the Packers-Buccaneers game, and now I'm curious about the Buccaneers perspective. Is this the same Buccaneers team that beat the Packers 38-10 in Week 6? Or is this a different team? Will the Bucs be able to carry over some of the same tactics they used? Or was it more what I'm hoping for, a one-game fluke?
2: You know, it's it's, so it's not the same team, but that actually may play into the Packers' hands a little bit because, I mean, this team right here, the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, when they they played the Green Bay Packers in the regular season, they were coming off of of a really bad loss to the Chicago Bears. They had lost Vita Vea, and they were really trying to kind of find their identity. So really, when you look at it from a strategic standpoint for the Green Bay Packers, they faced a Buccaneers team that they really didn't have a lot of tape on because the defense was completely different. The absence of Vita Vea uh, has has had ripple effects throughout the entire rest of the regular season, even into the postseason. And this really was the first time anybody in the NFL got a look at what Todd Bowles was going to try to do without Vita Vea there to anchor the middle of his defense and so for the Green Bay Packers that's actually kind of a, of, a, of a deficiency it's kind of a shortcoming for them coming into this game now I don't place the entire result of the game on just that aspect but then you also look at this game this this is a game that Ronald Jones had over 100 yards over 20 carries in the game against the Green Bay Packers the Buccaneers have already shown that that's not really something they're they're really focused on doing they're not really looking to get Ronald Jones 20 or more carries even though Bruce Arians towards the end of the season did go On record and say that rojo is a guy who should be getting about 20 carries so i don't know theory and and analysis is not meeting execution but the buccaneers have been winning and leonard fournette you know playoff lenny as they call him has has been been standing up for the buccaneers rushing game and i mean Rojo's dealing with a quad injury so you know we'll have to see how much that's nagging him coming into this game as well but there's just a lot of differences including the health of the receivers so there's a lot of of new things that are better for the buccaneers but in, in a sense because we've kind of seen a consistency over the last four or five weeks of who the Buccaneers are defensively and offensively. It's almost like the Packers have more and a a better, uh, you know, book of to study from about this Buccaneers team than they did coming into week six. Interesting. That's good to know. And
1: carrying on in the two playoff games so far for the Buccaneers, focusing more on like the playoff. Buccaneers. Uh, what have they excelled in and what have they struggled
2: in? I mean, really so the struggles have really been in the back end of the secondary and that's kind of been the story all season long when the Buccaneers pass rush isn't getting home and getting the quarterback nervous and anxious and off his spot. There are some struggles in the secondary that other teams can take advantage of. However, when that pass rush is getting home and they're getting pressure on quarterbacks and forcing them to throw into tight windows you see things like what happened against the New Orleans Saints. And I think it's a little bit of what happened against the Packers back in week six, especially in Dominick Sue. I mean, uh, you know, Indomitian Sue going back to his Lions days, it just it seems to me that he's, he's got real estate in Aaron Rodgers' head. And I think that's a very impressive thing to be able to say because <laughs> Aaron Rodgers is not a guy known for getting shaken, you know, stirred, whatever. But you see the way that Aaron Rodgers, at least in that first game, reacted to Indomitian Sioux. I mean, not only getting in his face after plays, but getting to him during plays and everything else. I mean, Aaron Rodgers seems genuinely bothered when Indomitian Sioux is in his backfield, totally. and it's a strange dynamic. Uh, to watch one, the Buccaneers can definitely benefit from and they'll look to benefit from as well. But if the Packers offensive line, and I know they've done a good job here of, of late. If they can keep in Sue especially, but that, that Buccaneers pass rush from getting to Aaron Rodgers, even from a contact standpoint, a quarterback hit standpoint, that's going to help the Packers a lot. So that's really where I think it boils down to. And I know it's kind of cliche to say the game is one in the trenches, but with the Buccaneers defense specifically, it really is one in the trenches because if your receivers like Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard can have time, even Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. If they can have time to find space after the first two or three seconds against this Buccaneers defense, that's where the young, the youth of this Buccaneers defense kind of starts in, and the experience and the ad libbing of the Packers offensive players, and of course, we all know Aaron Rodgers is one of the best ad libbers in the NFL in NFL history. That's where they can take advantage of this Buccaneers defense. So really, it's about what I think it's about what happens two point five seconds after the snap and later versus what happens in that first two and a half uh, seconds. Oh man, you read my mind. I talked about that a little bit in the first half, and
1: uh, we also talked about this as well. I know it's a real big popular storyline, and I don't want ad nauseum to talk about this, but at the same time, this is the first time that Rodgers and Brady's are squaring off mm-hmm. in the playoffs Usually it was NFC versus ASC. We wanted that Super Bowl showdown in 2014. It did not happen, and uh, now we get it in the NFC Championship game. But your thoughts on Tom Brady
2: versus Aaron Rodgers? I mean, like it's just, it's it's a <laughs> blessing. You know what I mean? Like you hmm. you look back at it. And I mean, I was born in the 80s, and, and my father's in the army, so I spent a lot of time in the 80s overseas. So I really didn't get to watch football on a consistent basis until you're talking like the 90s. So I mean, some of the great careers of the NFL, like you know, the best years of Dan Marino and and Terry Bradshaw and all that. Like I didn't get to see those, you know, in person in living color, if you want whatever you want to call it. That that's kind of what the next generation of football fans is going through right now. Like our generation right now, those of us that are watching this playoffs and these recent seasons unfold, we're going to tell the stories of Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. You know what I mean? Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady. Josh Allen could be on the beginning of you know a very steep upward climb to becoming one of the better quarterbacks in the National Football League. These are stories that, like the, the the football fans of the future that are three, four years old, you know, wearing you know jerseys because dad or mom put them in them, and they want them to be part of the the family effort. They're not going to remember this stuff. Like Packers, there's a there's a lot of cheeseheads right now. They're like three or four years old. They don't even really know what's happening. You know what I mean? So those of us who do like 10 years from now, when, you know, who knows, I don't know, maybe Trevor Lawrence is the next great Packers, you know, quarterback after he signs a free agent deal and whatever, we are going to tell the stories of these games. And, and that's something that I think that a lot of people kind of lose sight of sometimes in the fun of the trash talk and the rivalry and all that stuff is, is just how amazing it is to see athletes at this level do what they're doing. Because I've, I've long said, and, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity to have this conversation covering the Buccaneers a lot it takes an extreme amount of talent to suck in the National Football League. Like, to be one of the worst players in the NFL, you have to be a supremely talented athlete and football player to be bad in the NFL. So, to be great in the NFL, like, that is a whole other level. Like, they're not inhuman. They're still human beings, you know what I mean? But they're doing things at a, at, a, at a level that a lot of human beings, myself included, could never even imagine or could never reach. So to be able to watch that, tell the stories in the way that we do, Bryce, on podcasts and written form, you know what I mean, to chronicle that history so that other people in the future can go back, listen to it, share those stories. I mean, it's, it's, it's honestly, it's a blessing. It's something I feel very fortunate to be a part of. I can't wait to see it go down. No matter who wins, it's just, it's gonna be an amazing part of NFL history to watch.
1: I'm in the same boat, and I know that some people roll their eyes at the storyline of Brady and Rogers. I'm not into the clickbait sort of aspect. I'm right. into that historical sort of preview. And this is something that I've wanted for a really long time. I wanted the Buccaneers to beat the New Orleans Saints. I wanted this matchup. In order yeah. to be the best, you have to beat the best. And I think Absolutely. the Buccaneers have that point of view. Same with the Packers and Another the matchup that I'm really excited about that I don't feel like is getting maybe a lot of publicity is Bruce Arians versus Matt LaFleur. Mm-hmm. I'm you know, well versed in in Coach LaFleur and his philosophies and his approach and what he's done in these last two years, back to back conference championships in his first two years. No big deal for all those that are are keeping score. I say that sarcastically, but Give me your preview of a Buccaneers perspective of Bruce Arians versus Matt LaFleur.
2: You know, I, what I like about both coaches is that even as as old school as Bruce Arians can be in some of the way he thinks about the game and the mentality that he takes into approaching coaching and how he deals with NFL players, he was still kind of, I mean, he was ahead of his time really back in the day. But now, now, now that we're in a passing league, his kind of no risk and no biscuit, air it out type of offense is really not that unique. You know what I mean? A lot of people are doing very similar things, but where he is old school is, is that he's he's very set in his ways and he kind of knows how he wants to approach the game. But where he's been new school is letting the quarterback have a lot of control over what the team does, what the offense does, especially. And, I, and you know, I know in the offseason, a lot was said about, you know, how much control is Tom Brady going to have, how much influence is he going to have on the offense. And then there were stories of, oh, Bruce is letting him, you know, call plays and letting him script plays and da 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 If you go back and read Bruce Arians' book, that's been B.A. since he became a coach. Like, B.A. has always wanted his quarterback to feel like they were in control of the offense. It's BA's, you know, if you want to call it BA's recipe, but the quarterback is the one doing the cooking. That's kind of how the, the relationship goes. And everybody talks about when Matt LaFleur was hired in Green Bay is how was that dynamic between him and Aaron Rodgers going to work? Because everybody kind of knew when when Mike McCarthy was 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 fired, essentially it was, it was because of Aaron Rodgers. Like not, you know, Aaron Rodgers stormed the owner's office or the, the you know, managing partner's office necessarily and said, I want this guy gone. But the dynamic was, how is Matt LaFleur going to win over Aaron Rodgers? And I think what we've seen, at least from an outside point of view, is that Matt LaFleur has been able to blend his kind of youthful approach to the game and his willingness to adjust to a quarterback that, again, going back to what I said earlier, is known for adjustments. Like, this is a quarterback that, yeah, you know, the play call is great and the design and, you know, the arrows point this way. And if the safety does this, I do this. And all that stuff is great. But Aaron Rodgers has made his reputation and a lot of his money based off of what happens when those arrows get crooked or those safeties don't do what you think they're going to do. And that's kind of the great thing about his game. So for Matt LaFleur to come in and bring an approach of humility, but also progressiveness of, okay, I'm going to listen to my quarterback, but I'm also going to show him that when it's time to adjust on the fly, I can hang with him from a mental standpoint. And I think that's really where this Packers dynamic has gone. So you really have two teams that do it a little bit differently, but from an execution standpoint, from the executive side of the head coach position and the quarterback side on the field, and that, that leader on the field, they're really very similar as much as they're different. Fascinating response. Thank you so much for that. I, I've been
1: curious. I, I've been wanting to know a little bit more about Arians and Lafleur, And I'm glad that we were able to talk about that on this episode. And outside of Brady, Rodgers, maybe Arians and LeFleur, you might have mentioned it already. But what is the
2: matchup you're most excited to see? Uh It's the wide receivers. I mean you know, both of these teams have talented running backs. I think I would give the nod to the Packers running back group over the Buccaneers running back group. If I, you know, if I had to pick which one I think is quote unquote better, but Devonte Adams, you know what I mean? I, I have long right. been, your, your listeners don't know this, you know what I mean? And I might lose a lot of them right now, but I have long been <laughs> kind of a Devonte Adams denier. Like I don't, you know, I haven't, it's been a while. I haven't really ranked Devonte Adams up there in the top, you know, three to five wide receivers in the national football league. But over the last couple of years, from the standpoint of somebody who is kind of that denier, you know what I mean? He's really kind of grown on me, and I've really seen his game grow, which I know a lot of Packers are like, what do you mean grow? He's always been amazing, and I got what you're saying, at least from a production standpoint. You can't argue with that. But I think from a technical standpoint and from how he sets up defenders, you know what I mean? Uh, A second and 10 route in the first quarter could set up a third and 13 route in the fourth quarter, and that's how Devontae Adams is starting to execute his game. And I think it's amazing the mental side of the game really kind of is, is more endearing to me than a little bit of the, of the physical side. Like when you see, you know, Rob Gronkowski go up against you know a six foot one, you know, small safety, and he boxes him out in the end zone and scores. Stuff. Yeah, you know, it's cool, it's a touchdown. But I'm not going to give you a whole lot of praise for that. But when you see a guy like Devonte Adams, who's got some length, got some size, got some speed, go up against a cornerback who also has some length, some size, some speed, but he beats him with technical moves. He beats him with setting up of the set. You know, as simple as my first step off the line gets you going here, but I actually want to take you there. Those are the things that really impressed me about wide receiver play, and that's where I've seen Devontae Adams really take the next step. And now I believe, I mean, it's been a while since I've sat down and said, who are my legit top five? But I would find it hard to believe that Devontae Adams is not legitimately in that top five. And then from the Buccaneers standpoint, you have Mike Evans, who honestly really isn't as much of a tactician and a technical wide receiver as much as he is just kind of that physical guy who likes to bully people he can bully. But then you have Chris Godwin, who's an extremely great route runner, extremely great hands Haven't seen those in the first two games of the postseason. So that's what I really want to see. So for the Packers, it's specifically Devontae just watching him go to work. You know what I mean? Because it's amazing, Um, especially against those young young secondary. You know he's trying to come in and feast against these guys because they, I don't say shut him down, but they definitely stifled him the last time they saw him. So you know he's looking to come in here and show them why he is who he is. And then for the Buccaneers standpoint, see if Mike Evans can bully some of these Packers defenders and see if Chris Godwin can get over his yips.
1: You read my mind. In terms of Devontae Adams, I, and I know that people have tuned in, I was not a fan of when we drafted him. And I was also wondering why wasn't his progression quicker. And I've come a long way. And now Devontae Adams is one of my favorite players for the same aspect of me reflecting and me humbling myself. I know a little bit more about the team than I do back in 20. 2013-2014, 2013-2014, but what I really appreciate about Do- Devonte Adams is not only has he really reformed that mental side, but physical side. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's transformed his body compared to when he was a rookie to right now, and you're seeing that paid dividends. I'm glad that you mentioned that, and I know that people raked me over the coals before because I was in that camp of does Devonte Adams really have it? what you're seeing now in the last couple years right. is he clearly has it, and I still believe that he's just scratching the surface in uh, his uh, ability, what he did against Ramsey uh, was impressive. I'm really looking forward to the Davis and Dean sort of matchup. Uh, I know that uh, they got the better of us in that week six matchup uh, interception, also a pick six. Uh, I believe that pick six was off of Devonte Adams mm-hmm. uh, that route. So that's definitely a matchup I'm looking forward to. Um, you might have mentioned, Already so far, but who is a key player for
2: the Buccaneers on offense, and who's a key player on defense? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, Tom Brady is, is you know, plays the most important position on the field. But I'm going to stay away from, going to stay away from the low hanging fruit there, um, and I'm going to go back <laughs> to Aaron Stinney. You know, what I mean, Alex Kappa uh, was lost in that wild card game, and Aaron Stinney filled in at right guard uh, last week against New Orleans Saints. Did a, did a really good job. Uh, did a very good job helping Tom Brady at least have enough time to do what he needed to do to execute. It was one of the lowest yards per uh, pass attempt for Tom Brady this season and in in those games in the the past, the Buccaneers have actually lost those games. They've lost those games more times than they won them. So it was good to see this team not only be able to take the dink and dunk, be able to kind of, you know, take what the defense gives you sort of cliche, but also come out with a victory doing it. So that gives you more confidence that if they need to do that against Green Bay, if they have to take, you know, the five yard hit here, the three yard hit here with with a five yard run after catch they can still be successful as long as they keep doing it consistently. What you can't see the Buccaneers do is come out and open the game with two, three and outs the way they did against New Orleans. That right there might just be a death sentence right off the bat. So Aaron Sinney on offense, I think is going to be really the key player to watch among a team full of names because if Aaron Stinney can come out and do well against that Packers front, especially on the interior rush, then I think that the Buccaneers have a good chance to do some good things against Packers defense. If he falters and if, you know, Ryan Jensen the center has to do something to pick up some slack, they got to keep Rob Gronkowski in to help or keep Leonard Fournette in that reduces the amount of weapons down the field. That's going to hurt Tom Brady's options as far as finding space in the defense. So that's going to become problematic. On defense, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of cheat here a little bit, Bryce. I'm gonna say whoever's covering Devontae Adams. And and I say this right. because you've got to be able to win. Like they can't triple cover Devontae Adams. There are too many weapons. They may not be as popular as some of the weapons on the Buccaneers roster, but any Bucks fan out there who is underselling this Packers offense and what they're capable of doing. Just hasn't been paying attention if you have to provide two or three guys even consistently on a regular basis to stop Devonte adams you are going to get worked by the the aaron joneses the jamal williams you know uh the, the alan lazards and, and so on so forth. the delicious kind the tanyans you know what i mean you cannot dedicate that many defensive resources to one guy so whoever is on adams you've got to be able to hold your own not saying you got to shut him down but you know what i mean six catches 66 yards no more than a touchdown You've got to be able to do that in mostly single. You know, you're going to have some some top coverage from safeties, and that's fine. But if you're legitimately double covering Devontae Adams because he's working your defensive backs, it's going to open up things for everybody else, and that's going to be bad. Fascinating
1: stuff. Uh, I love uh, what you broke down. It, very uh, cerebral and very, uh, for lack of a better term, neutral. I, I like the fact that you are well rounded, obviously with the Buccaneers, but also with the Packers. That that's something that, um, and no shade to our other guests. We bring on our guests to talk about the other team, but what you did was just talk about the Packers as well as the Buccaneers. So thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to come on, talk about the Buccaneers, talk about the Packers. NFC Championship game. Everyone get fired up. And as we wrap up, uh, what will the Buccaneers have to do in order to beat the Green Bay Packers from your point of view? Uh
2: the to get two, two turnovers off Aaron Rodgers. Well, off the Packers offense. It doesn't have to be off Aaron Rodgers specifically. I've um, actually kind of made a little bit of a note in some of my research. You know, the Green Bay Packers um, actually was inspired by a Packers fan who called into my show to talk trash. It was amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, so it inspired me to do a little bit more research in a certain angle than I had done before. But um, I found it interesting that uh, Aaron Rodgers has made four trips to Tampa to play the Buccaneers. And in those four games, he has three games with QBRs under 60 and two or more interceptions in those same three games, all of them losses. and the one game Aaron Rodgers has welcomed the Buccaneers to Lambeau Field, he hit a QBR of over 112 through three touchdowns only had one interception, and the Packers came away with a win there. So I think that trend, I mean, it's different teams. You're talking about some games are like 2008, his, his first year starting, all that stuff. But I think that trend kind of holds there when you're facing an Aaron Rodgers-led team. If you can get the ball away from that offense two or more times, then you have a chance to win this game. But if you don't take the ball away any more than even one time, even one turnover, that's how good Aaron Rodgers can be and and can lead this offense. You need more than one turnover, not just the one takeaway is going to be good enough. So I think the Buccaneers have to get two turnovers, two takeaways from this Packers offense, uh, whether that comes by a fumble or an interception directly, however it works. They've got to get two possessions from the Packers, take them away, give them back to Tom Brady in order to come out of Lambeau Field with a win
1: great stuff as always david i'm bummed that like we're we're wrapping up we're going to bid adieu i look forward to keeping in touch with you Absolutely. obviously this weekend uh for those um that are tuning in i'm i i want them to also tune into your pregame Episodes and podcasts. Where can they find you throughout social media? I mean, I'm a Twitter guy. I know you are as well. Right. But what sort of uh, things are you doing pre cover or pre game coverage wise?
2: Yeah, uh, so they can they can find me on Twitter at d harrison82. My show is Locked On Bucks. That's on Twitter at Locked On Bucks and locked just Locked On Bucks is B U C S, not B U C K S. Fans in Wisconsin <laughs> might get that confused a little bit. And yeah, we're we're previewing the game obviously all the way through the week. Peter Bukowski, the host of the Locked On Packers podcast, uh, we're dropping a crossover Thursday episode on Thursday and nice. we'll, we'll dive deeper into some of this stuff and Peter's going to tell me why there's no way the Packers are going to lose to the Buccaneers <laughs> um, and then Friday <laughs> my, my normal co-host James Jarko and I we both write for SB Nation covering the Buccaneers we'll be doing our final kind of wrap up our expectations our predictions on how we think this game is going to go down I mean I think we speak very everybody, like everybody's just looking forward to seeing it go down. I mean, I don't know if who's going to be right, who's going to be wrong, but it's just, it's going to be a blast to watch it. I can't agree more. This is the matchup that I wanted in order to be the best. You got to
1: beat the best. I know that there were some fans that were rooting for the saints. I say poppycock. I want the Buccaneers. I want sort of a, I want redemption in the, in the fact that I want one of these all time classics. I know you and I had messaged back and forth and you had said, this is one uh, for the ages. And I couldn't agree more. Tom Brady Aaron Rodgers, Buccaneers-Packers, this Sunday for the NFC Championship and a berth to the Super Bowl at 2.05 p.m. Central Standard Time. Thank you so much, David, for coming on. And there you have it, Packer fans. Everyone get fired up. This is the moment we've been waiting for for a really long time. Go Pack, go. I'm your host, Bryce Christensen, and this is the Unknown Packers
2: Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com, and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast.
0: That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go. This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic
2: Transformation. Your sound, refined.